Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode 123. It's time for a Cincinnati recap as the Mountaineers take care of business in their final home game of the regular season. What's going on, everybody? You are in the gun. I'm Wesley Euler with the best teammates in the business. We got the signal caller, Jed Drenning. The beer truck himself, Owen Schmidt. Big week for Big O, Jed, as we've got some playoff action. George or George Washington, pardon me, Greenbrier West, the other GW, uh, making their way to what is now the semifinals, correct? I believe. Um, yes. for, Final for, four. For, or Final Four, yes, for, for, for Big O and the boys. They've got a big rematch on Friday. It's holiday week as well, too, here with Thanksgiving. So his schedule has gotten changed with practice and all their preparation and the holiday and everything. So Big O basically tied up through the through the evenings through this week. So we'll see if we can get him to pop in here at some point uh, throughout the course of these things. But you might just have Jed and I for the show this week as Big O is getting ready for a big game on Friday night. And, of course, Jed, we do not want to be the reason to mess up any of the GW mojo down there, baby. Not at all. Uh, you have, as we mentioned, uh, you know, a couple times this week we're going to be talking about this. Uh, you have Greenbrier West heading to James Monroe on one side of the Singway semifinal bracket. And on the other side, uh, right here in Tucker County, uh, the Mount Lions, A.J. Rapp and company, head coach A.J. Rapp, uh, are hosting Williamstown. And what many people are calling, if Tucker County pulls the upset, upset is the higher seed, you know how that works sometimes, Washington High School football, it might in fact be the biggest win in the history of Tucker County High School. I mean, people have been asking me, hey, what was your guys' biggest win when you had all those playoff runs? I mean, my sophomore, junior, and senior year, we were in the playoffs with some pretty big wins against Bridgeport, a couple unbeaten teams in Chapmanville and some others independents. But uh, I'll tell you what, this would have to be right up there because Williamstown is one heck of a football team in the Singway class in West Virginia. So two great battles, two good matchups, a matchup of the uh, uh, two unbeatens. And uh, so let's let's see where this goes. But, yeah, what Wes, I understand why Owen's pretty busy this week. I understand. No yeah, No doubt. Now, Jed, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you before. Um, you know, obviously, about my Doddridge County ties and yep. in, in my family. Well, speaking of Williamstown, I haven't told you this, have I? No. The athletic director at Williamstown High School. Okay. My oldest cousin. What? <laughs> yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yep. So, listen, there is a cousin. There's a Euler connection everywhere, baby. Now her last name is is that? her last name is Bryant. She comes from the Kaufman side, which is my mom's side. So she's okay. not a Euler, but you get what I'm saying with the Euler with West yeah. Euler. There's always a connection somewhere, baby. So wow. yeah, that's I'm torn in that one. What do I do? I mean, I got I got people on both sides. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we have we have representation in three out of the final four. Uh, we just don't want nobody from James Monroe, right? So. That's right. Well, we, yeah. we ain't got, we ain't got no love. Briar, we ain't got no Williams love for them and anyways. Tucker, we got them covered. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we got them. We got them all covered. Of course, covering us as always here on ITG, our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you to Bet Online for being a presenting sponsor of this episode. It is Thanksgiving week. It's a big one here. I, uh, you know, I've been I've been making a lot of jokes about how I always feel like the backyard brawl should still be played this week, but. 
I am uh, I'm fired up for Thanksgiving on Thursday, a little bit of downtime. I know that's not the case for everybody, but it's weird. Like during football season, Jed, I get every Thanksgiving and every Black Friday off. And it's like the only two days from from the end of July when training camp starts until the end of February where the NFL combine is. It's like the only time I get two days off in a row, this entire stretch of like seven months, eight months here. So I'm going to enjoy it. Hopefully, uh, if you're tra- you know, maybe you're listening to this uh, this podcast as you're traveling along to uh, to go see some family or go see some friends or travel for Thanksgiving. Safe travels to everybody out there, and we hope you have yourself a uh, heck of a holiday here as we kick off the holiday season. Jed, it was a uh, a nice stress free win at home for the Mountaineers. Second straight home game that WVU taking care of business comfortably. Of course, a couple weeks ago against BYU and making that one pretty non-competitive under the lights at Mountaineer Field and another very convincing victory, 42-21 to over our old friends but new friends in Cincinnati in their first season in the Big 12. That pushes WVU to 3-1 and against the uh, Big 12 newcomers this season, of course, just a Hail Mary down in Houston from from completing the queen, clean sweep. But, Jed, a, uh, I think this is maybe the place to start, right, when you rush for over 400 yards and five yeah. touchdowns, uh, a historic performance. And that's saying a lot because we have had some great um, quarterback-running-back tandems in program history, without a doubt, but a historic, historic performance from Garrett Green and, uh, and the freshman, Jaheim White. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And uh, let me start with this. You made me jealous with your sitting at home on, on Black Friday story because uh, it seems like I'm flying just about every say, Black you're, Friday. You're, you're the opposite and, of me. And so I, I've gone back and I've checked. This will be the fifth year in a row that we've wrapped the regular season up on the road. That's really? weird. Every year that since is, Neil's been that here. Is, that's the bizarre. last time yeah, we wrapped the regular right. season up at home was the Kyler Murray-Will Greer game. That was the last time in 2018. Very strange. But so it seems like every Thanksgiving weekend, we're flying somewhere, Texas, Oklahoma. It seemed like in the early days of the Big 12, every other Thanksgiving, we were uh, in uh, West Des Moines, Iowa, getting ready to go to Ames. But uh, yeah, I think that's a great place to start, Wes. The production that you've seen, and more recently, I'd even say the production that you have consistently seen out of West Virginia uh, on the ground, that has to be discussed here. I mean, you know, Neil told me coming off the field, I asked him, I said, hey, you didn't do this against just anybody. You did it against one of the better rush defenses in the Big 12. You did it against a Cincinnati rush defense that features probably a couple guys they're going to be playing on Sundays. And uh, his response, he said, we didn't make the cut as an offensive line last week for the Joe Moore Award. They weren't happy. This group was ticked off. And there's for those who don't understand that award, it's it's unique in the sense that it's a group award. It's one of the only college postseason awards that isn't to an individual. It's to a, a group, a unit. And Phil Steele talks about this quite often. He's he's on the committee that helps decide that he was trying to champion West Virginia. He was upset that we didn't make the final cut. But he says, look, it, it, it's a different kind of award. And he's right in that it's an entire group of kids that are striving towards something. And so to not make the cut, yeah, I think they were a little little sore about that. And they came out and took it out on Cincinnati. And I think they played one of their more complete games uh, of football. And I'm going to start with this, Wes. I put this on Twitter, or once again on X, whatever we're calling it these days. <laughs> uh, but West Virginia offensive line as a unit. Now, bear in mind, this the other night against Cincinnati was a unit that was without Doug Nestor, 
a starter at right tackle. So once again, Nick Malone had to step in. He's played a lot of football for us, next man up. And then early in the game, Brandon Yates was lost at right guard. So here comes Jaquay Hubbard. So really down two starters, West Virginia put this type of effort together to run for those 424 yards. So here's where we stand so far. This offensive line has paved the way for the fifth-ranked rushing offense in the country, 233 yards a game. Uh, the most rushing yards per game by a West Virginia offense since Owen Schmidt's senior year, 2007. Ooh. The highest yards per carry average of 5.1 yards by a WV offense since 2016. And the fewest sacks allowed were tied for the fewest allowed by a power five team in conference play all year. We've allowed three sacks in conference play this year. That unit didn't make the cut for the Joe Moore. So whoever does win that award better be pretty damn good. <laughs> better be pretty so good. they better be pretty daggone good. They better be pretty salty. So uh, that, that's what I would say. And then you really see this offense starting to click uh, over the course of really, I'd say the last month, five games even, we're doing some things offensively, mixing in a more explosive, pushing the football downfield pass game uh, with what you've seen in the ground game. And and we, we kind of got the sense, and Neil has talked about this multiple times, that coming out of the Duquesne game, we thought, based on where Garrett was, I mean, there was a certain approach that Neil and the staff took to the Penn State game with Garrett starting the season in that environment against that defense. Talk about NFL guys against a defense populated with a, a, a list of NFL guys. So you wanted to make sure you game plan in such a way as to give him some confidence one way or the other coming out of the football game. So he did enough things to build on that. Come against Duquesne, after the weather delay, he comes out, he's playing lights out football, has a little bit of a swagger, throwing some deep balls, really making some plays for us. Coming into the pit game, this is the offense that we were about to unleash on Pat Narduzzi. This deep ball combination of the run game, combination of letting Garrett read it and run it. And then a couple plays into the game, you know, Garrett's lost and, and Nico has to be inserted. It only took 25% of the reps that week. So we didn't get to offensively explode on pit like we thought we could. Right. So we kind of had to make our way through and just dominate them defensively and throttle them, shut them down, not let them do anything defensively and, and embarrass their offense instead. So that's what we did. So we found a way to win that game, but it wasn't until later that we started to find our groove offensively. Now, to what extent did we found our groove? I put this on Twitter as well. Something jumped out at me, and that was when I'm looking through the game book, there are certain things that my eye goes toward. And when I saw 9.8 yards per play, I was like, whoa, that doesn't insane. happen often. That's insane. That does not happen often. So let me go back and revisit some of our top performances offensively from a yards per play standpoint since we've been in the Big 12. You know what number three is? Yards per right. play since we yards joined Big 12 play. play. Are, are you talking – sorry, did you say ga per game or per season? For a game. Okay. Number three, all that time Kyler Murray since game? we joined that the Kyler Big Kyler Murray 12. game? No, that was not. That's not okay. a bad guess, but that was not. Baylor. Baylor 2012, first conference game. That's exactly right. Baylor 2012 was number three. We averaged 9.2 yards per game. Guess what number two was? Okay, so if the Baylor's off the board, and I know it's not 
the Oklahoma battle in 2018. Oh, man. Was it? I'll give you a hint. Texas Table. Tech 27. Oh, Oklahoma 2012. At 9.5 yards per play. They That game comes in at number two. So number one, or number three, I should say, is the game we all remember, the 70-63 insanity, offensive insanity. Number two was the unstoppable Tavon, despite the fact we still lost that game 50-49 to to Landry Jones. Number one was Saturday night against Cincinnati, wow. 9.8. That lends some perspective to the type of offensive burst that we had for the balance of 60 minutes. So great job by the entire crew. Great job starting up front with that offensive line and what they were able to do, banged up with some different guys in the mix once again. But let's talk about some of the things that we've managed to do from an offensive standpoint. Okay, here's rushing totals by game, and then I'll give you the leader in that game. Uh, 146 yards. I'm not going to name the opponent just so we can race through them. CJ led with 81, 304 yards. These are rushing totals. Jaheim led with 110, 151, CJ led with 102, 157, Nico led with 72, 201, Garrett with 80, 155, CJ with 66. Now we start humming. You ready? 226, Garrett with 117 was the leader. 286, CJ with 121. 336, Jaheim with 146. 176, CJ with 79. Up to Cincinnati, 424 yards. And Jaheim, of course, led the way with 204, the first true freshman to rush for 200-plus yards uh, among Mountaineer backs since Dustin Garrison uh, did so in uh, 2011. But it just just remarkable. And then when you look at what Garrett has done, from a dual threat standpoint, what he's doing, not just pushing the football vertical, but also with his legs, sometimes on script, many times off script, total yards, and then touchdowns accounted for. Garrett has started and played not really nine complete games. We're not going to count the first three plays of the pick game. Total yards, rushing, passing combined, and touchdowns uh, combined. 233 yards, one touchdown. 273 yards, four touchdowns. 222, two touchdowns. 438 yards, four touchdowns. 366 yards, two touchdowns. 211 with three scores. 228 with two scores. 178 with two scores. And then he combined to rush and pass for 364 yards against Cincinnati and four touchdowns. He's averaging 279 yards per game. And he's accounted for 24 touchdowns with a game and a bowl to go. So, uh, on the offensive side, it looks like we're cresting at the right point. You know, the Oklahoma game notwithstanding, we played obviously terrible football in all three phases at Oklahoma. But I think this offense is coming together in the way that they envisioned Chad Scott and Neil Brown in the offseason yeah. at the appropriate time down the stretch. Defensively, I think some things are coming together as well. We played much better defense, obviously, at home giving up about 20 points a game than we have on the road. We'll talk later in the week about some of the concerns I might have going into Waco to face a struggling Baylor team. That's one of them. We haven't played nearly as solid defense on the road as we have at home. And you saw some guys really step up that we needed to step up. I mean, I talked in the pregame show, uh, we need a big game out of Jarrett Bartlett because four-man pressures were one of the ways that you could really get at Cincinnati's Emory Jones. And Jared didn't have a sack. But Jordan Wesley talked about the fact that's his most complete football yep. game since he got here to West Virginia. And when you watch the tape, it, it I don't want to say it jumps out, but he's right. 
I mean, there was a consistent element to what Jared Bartlett was doing, play in, play out, setting the edge, fitting the run, sometimes playing two gaps, sometimes folding over to keep what, you know, Jordan talked in the presser about a four-yard gain that really nobody's going to pay much attention to. Well, guess what? I put this on social media. When you watch what could have happened with that four-yard gain, the blocking that was unfolding and lining up, uh, for Cincinnati, that could have been a splash play for Cincinnati, but Jared snuffed it out. So you had some unsung heroes on the defensive side of the football. Beanie Bishop, of course, we've talked it many times. He's in a race for Brian King's school record of 21 pass breakups. He now sits at 20. He had two taken off the board, one with a DPI, which I'm pretty sure I needed to check the numbers, was his first defensive pass interference of the year. He's I had a defensive so. holding, but he's been targeted, I think, the third most in the country. And he's been very productive against those targets. So to hold up with one DPI with all those targets, pretty incredible. And then he had the other one that initially was ruled an incompletion. Upon review, they overturned it and called it a completion. That took away another PBU. Otherwise, he would have had the school record in that game with three instead of one. But the defense did what it needed to do to help put Cincinnati away, help hold them at bay while the, while the offense separated. And then it wasn't until the fourth quarter we started substituting that some things went awry. And you'd like to see more production out of those twos and threes, but it's, it's going to happen. Again, we've talked about we have depth issues. We're dinged up. We're banged up. It's going to happen. But before we go any further, because I want to get some thoughts from you, Wes, before we get Big Daddy in here. But let me jump real quick on my soapbox. And once again, this is a conversation about metrics. There are many sites out there, and, and more power to them, I'm glad they do it, that supply all these different metrics and wonderful numbers and analytics uh, that we can, you know, tap into and enjoy. But be very careful if you're just using those metrics without thoroughly vetting it with film study. And I don't just mean getting the highlights from the film to say, oh, yeah, that guy had three good plays. Yeah, that, that stands up to, to what his numbers said. No, no, no. I, that, that's not what I'm talking about. So here's a couple examples. Zach Frazier, when you watch the tape against what he was facing in Dante Corleone, he had a reach advantage against Dante Corleone, and boy, did he use it. Dante Corleone could not get into his chest plate. And, and Zach did a great job of holding him at bay for the better part of the day. Uh, not just that, but a movement and zone schemes, applying pressure sometimes even on the second level when he climbed. But Neil said he graded out at 95%, and that was consistent with what I saw studying the balance of the game. He had 43 production points, according to the staff. He had 10 great blocks. You know, that's, that's a, a category the staff checks. And he had two knockdowns. One of the analytic sites graded Zach in the same game. Uh, as a, his run grade was 61.4, which was fourth among our alignment. His pass grade was his pass pro grade was 52.4, which was fifth among our alignment. So please, 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 if you're using the metrics, if you're using the analytics, here's what you do. You take it and you do get a sense of who's watching the tape and who's evaluating it for these metric sites. Once you get two thirds of the way through the tape, yeah, that's pretty much on point with what I'm saying. Don't pay so much attention to the 10 best plays they make. Don't pay so much attention to the 10 worst plays they make. If they play 60 plays, the gold is going to be found in the 40 in the middle. Not the ones that show up for one reason or another on the highlights on SportsCenter. Not the ones that just make you say, oh, well, he graded high. So there's three great plays I saw on SportsCenter. So, yeah, that makes it. No. The 40 in the middle that aren't among his best and aren't among his worst. That's where you can get a true uh, sense yeah. of how that eval is going Case in point, again, we'll close with this. Jared Bartlett, we talked about what an incredibly consistent game he had and how he contributed snap after snap. 
a lot of the analytics sites graded him at 63.3 overall defensively, 12th among West Virginia defenders. So please, if you're going to use metrics and analytic sites, evaluate the tape. And when I say evaluate the tape and vet it, I don't mean the best plays or the worst plays. Scrap those out and look at the ones in the middle that will truly tell you how the evaluation is. A lot of times you can get two-thirds of the way through the game, halfway through the game. You're like, yeah, it must be a former coach that's grading this tape because it's right on point with what I'm seeing. Other times you're thinking that's not a former coach. I don't know who's doing this, but whoa. So that would be my public service announcement before we go before we go any further, Wes. No, I think you're absolutely right. That's something that I kind of uh, wholeheartedly agree with. I think, listen, I think if you're somebody who completely relies on analytics and numbers and things like that, you're missing the plot. I think if you're somebody who completely ignores them, you're missing the plot. Yeah, I think yeah, the true answer absolutely. is somewhere in the middle. And the balance is right using using the numbers to to back up or confirm what you think your eyes are seeing and vice versa. You know, right? Using your eyes to back up or confirm or deny or disagree with uh yeah. with with, you don't want with confirmation what the numbers bias, are. Right. Yeah, exactly. In other words, sometimes you're pursuing a narrative. Boy, I hope that grade's accurate. Yeah. Let me look for a couple plays to corroborate it to prove that they are. Yeah, but it's, it's kind so- of fun, Wes, that when you're watching the tape. When, when you do get the sense that whoever's evaluating for the metric sites, whichever metric site it might be, I use different ones, uh, you do get the sense, wow, they're on to something. Okay, good. I can trust this. I can have faith in it. When you reach that point in the game, uh, it, it's a pretty cool feeling. So there, there's a lot of quality people that are doing this as a side hustle for some of these analytic sites, but but also some of them, I think, are just looking for a quick buck, and I'm not so sure what goes into Correct. that. But Correct. And I do always get a kick out of, like fans, fans love it. Like, let's use pro football focus for an example, right? Fans love it when their guys rated highly. Oh, did you see, he got an 80, he got an 88 grade. And then the next week when their guy isn't ranked where they thought, oh, well, pro football focus is a bunch of malarkey anyways. I do, I do always love that balance. Right. Like everybody who's listened to this podcast for more than five minutes knows I, I work in the NFL, right? I work for the Pittsburgh Steelers and it's hilarious. Like, It'll be like, oh, pro football focus sucks. They never rate TJ Watt good. And then the next week, it'll be like, hey, did you see what they gave Jalen Warren this week? They gave Jalen Warren a 92. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I always love pro football focus. Well, You're I'm, right. I'm it's- with you, Wes. I, I'm a guy who likes information. I don't think too That's much it. information that, is a bad thing. It's exactly kind of it. it's kind of the, the eye of the beholder. The more, the right? more so, data points you can have, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Uh, but, Jed, we do have Big Daddy waiting. So, uh, real quick, I just – Man, I, I love how this offense has come together. I love how they have, Oklahoma side made a habit lately of starting so fast, right? At one point there, Jed, towards the end of the first quarter, uh, we had eight first downs. Cincinnati had none. Um, I mean, you, you look at the final number, 31 first downs for the Mountaineers on offense, six for 11, over 50% on third down efficiency, two for two, once again, efficient on fourth downs. I love how we've gotten aggressive and confident in that department this season. Um, and Jed, once again, you win the turnover battle, right? Uh, you, you have you have one interception and no giveaways. They have no takeaways. That's something we've been keeping an eye on as well, too. We did throw a pick. Did we throw I a pick? I noticed in the uh, – Oh, wait, yeah, sorry, the... you're right. I'm 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 yeah. I'm but thinking the right, other way around. We did we lost did we lost a, we lost the turnover board. battle. <laughs> yeah, I right. did see I'm a box board that had it the way you said it. So there was something with that. I don't know what that was. 
You're yeah. right. Uh, there was there was something something. But no, you're right. I, the box I, I just that I, looked I totally at I got myself I got myself discombobulated. Well, it, it's there. out you know there what? somewhere because I have I'm seen doing the box the, I'm doing the confusing my Saturdays and my Sundays thing. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Yes. The Steelers, despite you want, you an affront, want a high despite an affront to football on Sunday in Cleveland, they did win the turnover battle against the Browns. Guess who leads the nation with an eight point two four yards per carry rush average? The nation. He might. Yes. Yeah, buddy. Jaheim yeah, White, buddy. baby. Also, one more for you. We punted the ball one time in that game. One time. It was Man, a touchback. Just... You know, I know that because I went up to Ollie and I said. I bet me and you are the only two in the stadium that know that's your first touchback of the year, don't we? And he said, "Well, my coaches do too." He wasn't he said, happy. He was. He not said, "Good happy. on, good on you, mate." But my coaches know that one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He I was just, acutely aware that that was his first touchback of the season. Jed, it's weird because sometimes, right? You see, oh, your team won by twenty-one points, but it maybe wasn't necessarily that comfortable. This is this is one of those games. I mean, it was every bit. I mean, it was what 40, 42 to seven at one point. This was a start to finish from the opening kickoff to the final musket shot. A uh, a complete sixty minute performance from the Mountaineers on defense, certainly on offense, where it really seems like they're humming. And uh, what do we always say? Two things that travel or a run game and a defense. Let's take those on the road to, to Baylor and, and keep this thing going for the final week of the regular season. We got to get to a break. When we come back, it's Big Daddy. We'll talk to him about the emotions of senior day there at Mountaineer Field. Don Nealon getting uh, immortalized as well, too, with his name being added there uh, in the in the uh, the terrace in the end zone. So we'll discuss all those things with Big Daddy. When we come back on the other side, you are in the gun. Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guarantee to, to save, save you thousands. thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com. For more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations, with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller. Back in the gun here. It's time to put a bow on this Cincinnati recap with our buddy, Big Daddy, Sean Mariner, our handsome tubby man of gold. And Sean, 
you are a big guy, right? But yes. you know what? I think it was Owen Schmidt who said this many moons ago on this podcast. Big guys are often the most emotional guys. You're and, the couldn't you're looking at him. <laughs> and so I listen, I know senior day is always one full of emotions, but man, a a lot of a lot of big time mountaineers, a lot of guys with West Virginia ties as well, yeah. too. Um it, it, it's always special, but I think when you've had a season like this, right, the last couple of years have been difficult. These guys have been able to get that thing turned around. We're having a lot of fun again. You finish that off going five and one at home this season. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was telling you guys, I was at a wedding. I, you know, I, I hardly ever make exceptions, but one of my best friends from high school got married on Saturday. So I did have to miss the game to, to go to the wedding. Uh, but man, I wish I was there for that because that was, that was just a special day all around. It was it was awesome. I mean, senior day is always really good. Pre-game wasn't as emotional as it's been in the past, but Neil had talked about trying to curb some of that emotion because you still have a game to play and how difficult it is. But post-game, whenever we win, I always scamper down there as fast as I can so I can help out with whatever's necessary. And the guys are coming in, and, you know, Frazier doesn't really show much emotion, but he's he's wearing a little something. Nestor comes in, and, you know, it's his last time here, so Zach and Wyatt are are with them and they're going around and like, it was just John. I mean, um, Thornton comes in, Jalen comes in and he's, he's smiling, but there's a little emotion behind it. Cause they just got to do country roads. A lot of the seniors came in late and were late to the party. Cause they're out there trying to soak it up one last time. And then I came back down after the press conferences to do one last sweep before I went up. Locker room is empty, completely empty, except for Doug Nestor, just sitting in his locker. And I go, yeah, buddy, he's soaking it up a little bit. And he thought I was chirping at him. So he had some kind words for me. And I turn around and go, no, I'm serious. Like, are you absorbing it? And he just looked at me and gave me like a little nod. And I GTFO so he could have his moment without, you know, a fat moron in there. Like, hey, are you sad? This is sad, right? <laughs> Big it's, daddy. It's, weird, it's weird too, though. Like the end of the game, right? <laughs> My mind's everywhere. I've got to run down, help with post game, all that. We launch country roads and I'm I'm high fiving and and you know knuckling Bill and his spotter Sean and Chris O and Lucas and Chris O just goes hey hell of a season man thanks a lot and I was just like yeah 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 thanks guys and I'm walking as I'm walking down I was like I, I we're done with home game like I'm thinking about Baylor next week and I still have a game to go do that was our last home game for the year and it didn't even sink in until this morning and I was like oh man like we're yeah, we we're won't, done. We won't be we're we done. won't be back there till August thirty first August well like, spring spring game but. Yeah. spring game but like it was, that was doug, a nestor, doug nestor came out again it's always different on senior day i, I didn't even run out with a team i kind of came to the edge of the end zone and let let everything unfold because it's so elongated and so then when the rest of the team comes out of course the seniors run out to around midfield and meet their families mm -hmm. and so i'm going out there to wait on the captains as the officials approach and the thing that stood out to me Doug Nestor's family was out there. His parents were out there. His dad embraced him with a hug that I wanted to only describe. He was hugging him like he was in the second grade. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, I'm watching this six foot six, 300 plus pound mountain of a man, and his dad is hugging him like a second grader. And yeah. I just thought, and then when everything started to calm down after the chaos in the post game locker room, Big Daddy, uh, I walked out with Doug. And you talk about red eye because he was going to meet his parents at the corner of the end zone. Zach was down there to see Ray and his mom. And when I walked out with Doug, he and I were just chatting it up. And I said, dude, I remember I was talking to your coach. And I remember when 
I first got news that we were getting you from Tech. Because when we signed Wyatt, I talked to their high school coach, and he said, we're working on getting you another one. So I kind of got that sense. And then then it was made official, and I said, I still remember where I was, how excited I was. And it it really meant so much to him. So he went down in the end zone, spent some more time with his family, and then back in when you saw him. But it's it's Neil's talked about it. Look, some high schools are starting to move this to earlier in the season because it is such an emotionally encharged experience that it's difficult to go from that with all these memories flashing through your mind. I mean, I remember when I had to do it on senior day, it's very difficult to reharness your focus so quickly and recalibrate. And the next thing you know, four minutes later, there's a whistle blown and a ball being kicked off. And here comes everybody trying to smack you around again. It's difficult to do that. So I wouldn't mind seeing a movement because it it really is special for those guys. And it's special for those on the team and even special for those us like you and I around the team. And, and and I know it that sounds weird, like, oh, but you're you're you play football, it's what you do. But I mean, you obviously, Jed, did it. And and Wes, you and I have been around long enough. Like the pregame ritual is sacrosanct. Like the guys do what they do every pregame for a reason to get mentally ready for this and that. So for them to go and have to then get out of football Change mode that routine, yeah. Be in emotional mode because oh my God, this is it. And then get right back into football mode, like you said, Jed. Four minutes later, to get that—that's it's a weird, almost like bipolar swing where you've got to try to recalibrate yourself. And I know it sounds simple, but it—it it can be weird. So then, when they just hit the gates running, it was like, okay, we're doing all right here. This will work. That's what I mean. It could be weird. It could be tough sometimes, but not when you're up forty-two to seven <laughs> yeah, in the then fourth quarter. Like, oh, okay, your right. ultimate comfort zone, your family. Nothing, you let your guard down around your family like nothing else. Yeah. So you go from that, the warm embrace of your parents, the, the most comfortable, safest, secure, <laughs> most secure place in the, in the world. And now here's a six, eight, four hundred nose guard. I mean, it's, it's, I gotta... it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. You know, throughout the season, obviously, it's been so great to be around some of these guys, some that are going to leave and everything. And in the locker room, I'm obviously all excited. I go over and I see Jaheim and I'm just giving him the look like, holy hell, seeing some of the other guys. But you are who you are, right? And no matter where I go in that locker room, Coach Moore sees me and goes, come take a picture. And I got to take a picture of all the offensive Were you the one who snapped that famous picture? I was the one that took the fan. I'm like, yep, I can go wherever I want. They're always going to think, oh, lineman, bring his tubby ass back over here and take a picture for me, buddy. Like, yep, you got it, guys. Here we go. Oh, I love it. I love it. No, I want to go with, with it real quick. I want your thoughts in the locker room with what you saw out of Garrett because let's jump from the seniors real quick. I didn't tell this story. Uh, in the post game, when we win the game, uh, the protocol is normally Montoro makes his way, Mike Montoro makes his way down in the final couple minutes of the game. And he and I have to coordinate. All right. In addition to me interviewing Neil on the field, I'm also going to interview a player. Who's it going to be? So we chatted up real quick and we decided, all right, well, let's do Garrett. That makes the most sense. Right. So we were going to do Garrett on the field. So TV wanted Garrett and Neil at the same time. I'm like, fair enough. Tony will hold. He'll throw down to me as soon as TV's done, and I'll do both. So that's the way it was working. And I went ahead and I interviewed Neil. And as I interviewed Neil, I looked around and Garrett was behind me, and then he's gone. And so we wrapped things up with Neil, and I told him to go enjoy the final minute or so of the song. And I looked around, and Montoro and Fergale told me, they said, hey, 
you know, uh, Garrett said, Hey, it's either the radio interview or to sing a song with my teammates and the fans. I'm, I'm going to sing the song. And I'm like, well, I don't blame him to be honest with you. That's the kind of guy we're talking about. He, he don't want the media. He don't want the, the spotlight. He don't want the interviews. He wants to sing the song with his teammates. Mm-hmm. That's Jed, exactly the kind of guy. Who's Jed, was, this it, team. was it like the scene in slap shot, right? Where the Hanson brothers, they're listening <laughs> yeah. to the national and the referee comes over and he goes, I don't want any funny business from you guys. I'll throw you out of here. I'm listening to the song. I'm listening to the song. <laughs> No, did I, you I, see him in the locker room, Big Daddy? Oh yeah, I love it. Because what was oh. happening? I was I was right in the middle of the sea of bodies as Neil and you saw Neil do his thing. You know his little signature act, oh, yeah. like he's all calm. Hey, great job today, guys! Nice win over the University of Cincinnati. And then he just loses it and screams yeah. and jumps into the crowd. Well, I was behind Jaquay because I was standing near Garrett because I had to get Garrett for post game to do the interview with Tony and Dwight. So I'm in the middle of the players. Well, Jaquay was right in front of me, and when Neil did that thing, I thought, oh, no, I'm going to get crushed because Jaquay jumped two feet off the ground and almost mm-hmm. landed on me. But that place was fired up. It was really cool. And, and again, little things, all the seniors getting to do the fight song at the end, and it's just like this. Like, this is what you work for. When, when, when you yep. win on senior night, that's exactly the moments that they're going to be able to carry with them forever. Hundred percent, and I think it's pretty cool. You know, Jed and I were talking about how some of the things, some of the numbers, finals, a little skewed at the end there, right? Because by the fourth quarter, you had called the dogs off and put some other guys in, but that's got to be the best for those guys on. You know, you get to spend the final minutes of the game just kind of looking around and soaking it all in and enjoying and just basking in that comfortable victory. I agree with you guys. Like, I don't hate the idea of moving a senior day away from the last game of the year. But at the same time, when it plays out like it did on Saturday, it, there's not much. There's not much better in athlete. You know, I don't care if it's high school sports or collegiate athletics. There's not much better than uh, an afternoon like that or an evening like that uh, yeah. for your senior day and, and to go out in that regard. And gentlemen, I mean, speaking of emotion, speaking of a perfect Saturday and all these different things, Don Nealon, end of the first yeah. quarter, uh, just man, the reception. Like I thought, I thought it was so cool. Jed had talked about this a little bit. How this last game of the season, this or this this kind of time period, right? Whether it's the Saturday before Thanksgiving or the Saturday after Thanksgiving, you're always a little skeptical about the crowd because yeah. the students are on Thanksgiving break. It's the start of hunting season. It's cold out. People are traveling for the holidays. Like it's just a time of year where there's so much going on. Yeah. But man, that crowd was ready from the jump. That crowd was ready for Don Nealon. That crowd stayed to be there for the end of that senior day and mm-hmm. one last country roads until we until we get to to August and September and a new season and all that. Uh, I I, I love just seeing the representation, the outpouring of love there for Don Nealon. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, our guy Chris O that we reference yeah. all the time, putting together Killed that video, hell of a video. Yeah, uh, and. We we give Ren Baker credit for a lot of things. I think we're all Ren Baker stands here on this podcast. But man, for him to to get that done with Don Nealon, while Don because we all know, listen, I mean, Father Time's undefeated. Don Nealon is he's getting a little bit older. For him to still be able though to to be there, to bask in that moment, to really enjoy it with his family and some of his former players. I mean, you combine that, you combine the senior day, you throw in the big comfortable victory against a familiar old friend there. I mean, that was just, that was perfectly scripted for Saturday. I, Jake Prady, friend friend of the pod, Jake Prady, uh, works with the equipment staff, but is also a member of the MAC, helped organize that whole thing for Friday night. 
with Don and all those former players coming back at the new place over at the Coliseum. And anytime the players come back, he, Prady is 25, 24. He's a young guy, but he knows what like a historic psycho I am about WVU. So every time they have something, he's like, Shawnee, just, just come over. And I was like, no, like let, let those guys have their night and everything. And then I'm just scrolling through Twitter Friday night, having the most FOMO of my life. Like, my God, everybody was, everybody there. was there. And I could have been walking around like a second grader, Jed, just smiling up at people and handing them pieces of paper and praying they signed it. Like, the turnout was incredible. And then two things from the presentation with, with Dawn on Saturday. So obviously they, they let everybody get out there. And, and like you said, Wes, Dawn is getting up there in age. And when you look at him, you're like, oh, you know, he looks so much older. He, he does have a little trouble getting around and everything. But talk to him for three seconds. And that's Dandy Dawn from 1988. Still like the sharp, man, man. He's still got the fastball. It's incredible. Yep. So they get everybody out there and we start the video and start the presentation. And I was busting Danny Nealon's balls today because I was, I was cutting the melt, right? I'm laying down highlights so I can put together our melt of melt. And, and every clip I see Danny's just behind him, just soaking it in, bouncing back and forth. So excited. And then the other side of it is when they drop the, uh, when they drop the, the tarp or whatever it was to show his name, Right. Obviously, a huge moment. And some of the folks in the suites were able to help our facilities guys to do it. One of which is one of the heads of WVU Medicine, Darren, who's on every trip with us. And he is oh, just up there. Pumping. Wow. He's just been pumping in the end zone the entire time after he drops the tarp. So I know, Jed, keep your ears open because when we get on that plane Friday, Darren is going to be crushing Danny. Like, Danny, dude, I got to drop the tarp for your dad. He's just going to be blowing it up. So just be ready. You know what I remember most about the on-field part of that? And I thought you were going to mention this. I was down there like an idiot with my phone uh, trying to stay out of everybody's way. So I'm six feet in front. And Haas was a couple people down Mm -hmm. from his father-in-law, Don Nealon. And Haas had one of the grandkids. And and he was holding him up. And that kid was just having the time of his life. And I thought, this might be the most perfect part of the most perfect ceremony that I've ever seen take part in this field. That kid didn't even know what was going on. was oblivious to everything, but he was in the arms of granddad and he was just loving every second of it. And there's his great granddad. And I'm like, nothing represented Don Nealon Mm -hmm. better than that part of what was taking place there. I thought that was just absolutely awesome. And the cheer that when the tarp did come down, it was, it was special. And I came off the field guys everybody was moved like Ren yeah. came by me and said something talking about how cool that was. we were all just moved Jeff Castile Jeff had three words for me pretty blank and cool he just looked at me and and if you know and if you know Jeff stinking cool right stinking yeah. that's what the word was t- yeah. we're we're all old yeah. soft dads on this podcast like how incredible of a moment is that with your fit like Oh. That's upper echelon stuff. It's a, and, and what I'd love too is, right, we're always worried about timing. TV timeouts are only so long. We have got to fit in so much stuff. We thought we had plenty of time with that. The video wasn't that long. Bill timed his readout. We thought we're going to have a minute to play. And then the ovation is so loud and so long. Yeah. The TV crew's off the field. The game's back on. TV is on. When, when TV right comes back, off, it's yep. supposed to be play. Get right back into it. Even the officials were just watching everybody leave the field. They gave yeah. us another 15, 20 seconds because they were just like, I'm not, well, I'm not going to be the guy to be like, get the hell off of here. We got a football <laughs> game. They were just like, yep, yeah. take the time. We'll get to it. And to your point, Wes, 
that moment late in the game of a blowout, the the let's go chant started, and mm-hmm. and and I'll say this: it was it, it would have been neat anyway, but right on the heels of our rival up north having it's it's always hard to tell because even when they're winning, it kind of looks like it did the other night. But the fact that they're not winning, Pitt can't draw fans for anything. And the the most hilarious part to me is their fans acting. Oh no! Wait, wait what did you say? What did you say? Wait, Meanwhile, wait, hold on, Jed. Wait, hold on. You just hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You just froze there for a second. You got to say that again. Taylor I mean, County I, got you. Okay. Taylor I'm County got you. On you. My my internet. Uh, Pitt's hexing my internet connection. But I was saying Pitt can't draw fans anyway. But the best part about it is we're all making fun of that embarrassment they put out with 17 people at Acrisure Stadium Thursday night against Boston College, and they're all trying to claim, well, that's because we're two and eight. Otherwise, wait a minute, well, I've seen your crowds when you're winning the ACC. I don't yeah. see much difference. You can't draw unless you're playing Penn State, Notre Dame, or West Virginia. That's just the truth of it. Yeah. Meanwhile, as Big Daddy touched on, we had the holy trinity of reasons to not have a crowd. Students out of town, the dorm shut down on Friday. That's always an issue that weekend. Hunting season, get ready to start. Everybody's at deer camp. We live in West Virginia, after all, and much colder weather than we thought. It was cold on that field. I mean, that sky cover dropped that temperature yeah. a couple of degrees. It got cold. So three for three with the excuses to not be there. And I'm not saying it was a sellout. But what I'm saying is it was a robust crowd that stayed, endured, and got loud late in a blowout game. And that was just really cool. I thought that was a really neat moment when that chant started for no real reason in the fourth quarter of a blowout game. And Wes, one more thing with that senior day, it popped into my head earlier. You know, we did the old basketball substitution that our fans caught on to too. We are on that last drive. We get a first down. We sub out Zach Frazier, let him walk off the field one more time, right? Fans recognize it, start cheering. Then they call a couple of timeouts. So when Justin Johnson gets that last, First down, Neil subs in, go. We're doing victory formation. Doug Nestor, get in there. Zach Frazier, get in there. Like, let, let's send him in. Doug's and now they have that the moment forever. His first, his only snap of the game. You got that his forever. His only snap of the game was down. victory formation. Yeah. Your, your, your last play at Mountaineer Field as a senior is victory formation. Yep. Can't beat it. And again, that's it. why, like, again, I know, these, I know these senior day things. Sean, you made a great point in how, all athletes, but I think particularly football players, are so regimented in how they prepare for games. It's it's a physical, violent game. You got to get your mind in a right place mm-hmm. to get ready to go out there and 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 perform like that for three and a half hours on any given Saturday. But like I said, when it all comes together, when it all goes perfectly, you get those magic moments like you did. And I again, you couldn't have scripted it much better or any better, uh, I think, than uh, than what we saw there. Well, and, guys, and it was awesome. Well, like I, that, that emotion, that energy, and everything was palpable through the broadcast as well. Too, I was. I'm not going to lie to you guys. When I'm sitting at the bar in Cleveland at 2:30, right on Saturday, and the broadcast starts, I'm like, a, not, I don't want to say worried, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh man, like I hope this crowd looks good on TV. I hope there's energy there, all this stuff. And and after the first kickoff, they do that first kind of wide shot, and I was like, oh hell yeah, brother! <laughs> like yeah. lower yeah, bowls completely. Low lower bowls completely full, upper bowls seventy percent full. All right, let's rock it. This Cincinnati doesn't stand a chance today. And then you know, Sean, I was laughing. I said this to Jed earlier. I was like, the end of the first quarter, I looked up at one point. We had eight first downs. They had none. Like we were yeah. just we were just rolling. It was a tough scene. 
it was it was it was a lot of fun and you know what it's always good to have you know we talk about getting cincinnati back a, not a rival right but a familiar foe and there's some yeah. history there and it's a border state and all these different things and man it really felt like old times and by old times yeah. i mean us kicking the crap out of cincinnati because okay. that's that's what's happened most right of the times it. it's like it's like on our beat the crap out of list number one is Rutgers, but cincinnati yeah. cincinnati's not, cincinnati's did, not far behind as number yeah, two you posted it earlier and I said something to him after the game, Garrett's first touchdown, Nick Malone had a nice inside seal block. I was like, oh, way to go, Nick. Well done, buddy. And then you posted that, and I've gone back and watched it. And Jaquay on that, that he pulls, unreal, finding his guy. But Traylon Davis, sweet baby Jesus, oh, laying yeah. big number nine down. I haven't seen Dude, him yet. That guy. But just like, my God. And then the other side. Side backer. Oof. As he the just game came in going. so high. I'm like, what are you doing? And, and Traylon's like, reach, and it was all, all right, over then. after yeah. that. Yes. And, and then as the game went on, I legitimately did feel a little bad for the guy because there was a play late in the game where he, he actually threw his hands out. But number 10 for Cincinnati on the defensive side. Garrett shook him for two touchdowns. They were picking on him in the pass game. And old boy did not have a good game. And near the end, I'm just like, oh, that poor guy. This is going to be a tough day for that guy. I do feel <laughs> kind of bad that this is what he's had to go through today. Hey, what, the 75-yard touchdown. I broke this down on Twitter with the game film. But the 75-yard touchdown was a sail flat route. You know, it's kind of an air raid staple, right? Uh, well, we had that jet motion we've been using. They reacted to it. They rolled their coverage. We were running to the wide side. It's a long developing route by a running back. Normally that's a slot running that sail route. It's kind of a mini version of a post corner, a flag route. Well, guess who was running it? Jaheim next to Garrett was running it from the backfield, which takes a little longer to develop. So you had a high-low concept concept created by Jaheim exploding out of the backfield to take the top and run the sail. And then the underneath portion of it, you're stressing that flat player to the wide side was the jet motion sweep by Gallagher. He becomes the swing man. Well, Garrett recognized he id the flat player, and he's like, okay, I think that he bit on that just long enough that I can sneak that in behind him with enough touch. I mean, we we like to indict Garrett for having no touch on the RPO throws because he, yeah, he's throwing a couple like Daryl Talley, knocking yeah. guys over. But yeah. I'm telling you, he, he, can, he has touch in his tool bag, in his arsenal, and you saw it really on display on that play because they had a free runner come off the edge defensively. So we were outnumbered to that side. So the free runner, the blitzer was going to light Garrett up mm -hmm. and Garrett had a choice to make. He's like, okay, I'm going to stand tall and take this hit, but I'm going to trade it for an opportunity to buy, get by a Jaheim just an extra time to float that thing with nice touch, drop it in the bucket. So he had to throw it sooner than he wanted to. And as soon as he did, he got crushed and he got crushed high Go back mm. and watch the film, guys. He yeah. hit that thing, got hit high, and flew back and took a whale of a shot, arched it over the defender right into that small pocket. Jaheim hits the extra gear, catches it on the run, and then Big Daddy, did you notice who the only guy on the sidelines were in the stadium who nearly caught Jaheim? Chad uh -huh. Scott. As always. <laughs> Chad who, who Scott else was in be? a full speed. <laughs> who else could it ever be? He was running a 4-5 down That's our fantastic. sideline. The headset flies off. The play call sheet's flying everywhere. Uh, it's when I see something like that, guys, I could talk about it for 20 minutes. It's just, to me, that's time capsule worthy, thing of beauty, yeah, perfect execution. It's just an explosive athlete catching a perfect pass from a quarterback who stood tall, traded that blow for the throw. I, that was just a thing of beauty. And how could you not like to play for Chad Scott? I mean, yeah. how could you not?
Yeah. He's the best, man. He's the best. I Jed, that's a good way to put it, actually. I think a lot of Saturday, I mean, was was time capsule stuff. Um, and it, it makes you feel really good. It gets you jacked up, it gets you fired up, puts a smile on your face heading into Thanksgiving week here. That's that's one of my weird football fan quirks. Like you never want to lose heading into Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Because you still got practice, you still got business as usual, you got travel or whatever. Like you don't want to head into the holiday week with a loss. Uh, so going with a big comfortable victory and senior day and, and all those things is is just absolutely fantastic. It was it was a perfect Saturday, hey, like Talley. I said, in a lot of ways. Yes, you did. I meant John Talley. I think everybody knows that, but yeah, for some reason I, I realized John Talley was notorious. Of course, this is way before Wes's time. Big Daddy, you might remember, he was notorious. He he had a cannon of an arm and he was not at all afraid to use it. And that it, that meant if you were eight feet from him or eighty feet from him or eighty yards from him, he was gonna knock you over with it. It worked both ways, though, Jed, because Daryl Talley did, in fact, knock people over quite often. Go. That's true. So it could still, That's true. It could still <laughs> That's work. True. Repurpose. Yeah. We can repurpose that one. Yeah. A yeah. Uh, thank you to, to JR and our friends at Toothman Ford for presenting this episode of In the Gun. We all know cars cost less in Grafton. They're doing great things for our NIL and, and WVU athletes. Make sure you're supporting those who support the Mountaineers and support this podcast. All right, before we go, it is Thanksgiving week. Best day of the year. My favorite holiday. I know Sean's got some love for Thanksgiving, too. So this is maybe putting you a little bit on the spot here, but I need your boldest Thanksgiving take. Oh, I can I can give you mine if you need a second, but I feel like you got this ready. The 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 quick one for me, and it's not even that much of a hot take. The Mariners and the family that I married into the Hickses, not one. Nobody has ever touched anything. Cranberry. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. Okay. Adios. Not even straight in the can, right? Adios, buddy. Not buddy. I don't Sean, need the buddy. ridges. We are we are kindred spirits, me and you, when it comes Get to food. Out. Because I, I might know yours. I got no. I got. I guess I, go for it. Mac and cheese. Yeah. Now, see, I don't, is that a bold take? But yeah, you got to have mac and cheese. Is that a bold take? See, I know that's that. controversial. We don't that's do contra- that. See, I, I don't feel like think that's it's a southern a thing. It's it's not it's not a staple for us, but I'm. This is yeah, never except turn away. Well, we don't do it. We've never done it, but yeah. Yeah. Morgan's my wife Morgan, her grandmother makes mac and cheese that oh my god, this stuff could stop wars. It's yeah. so good. Um and I'm with Sean. I'm not a big cran I'm not a big cranberry anything guy. I'm just not. I live in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania, but I'm That's not it. a big I'm not a big cranberry guy. Uh I got two for you. One is that green bean casserole is the most essential side dish on Thanksgiving. Okay. 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 You got to get the fresh green beans. I do mine on the smoker. I do it in a cast iron on the smoker. Oh, boys. Of course you do. And the second is if you're one of these people who likes to do the cool hipster thing of, oh, turkey's not actually that good, just admit that you suck at cooking. Yeah. Because if you do well, turkey so. right, if you deep fry it or you smoke it or you do it right, it's fantastic we bought our house we had thanksgiving the year after we bought our house we had it here for the first time ever and your fat buddy dominated turkey and i've never i never want to have it here ever again because i hit it so hard you set the standard so high it's never going to live up to it ever again regardless of what i do so sean and vicky mariner huge homemade noodles gal and they were incredible i mean thumbs up we get it we love Vicky. and um my great uncle can't do it my pap's twin uh, had a homemade yeast roll recipe that like is the Mariner family secret. Like one wow. person gets it when that person passes one person in their family gets it. Nobody in between. 
that's the good stuff. That's how you yeah. know that's the good stuff. Yeah, Sean. You guys used well, – this is a trick we tried for the first time last year because my oldest in college saw it on YouTube. It turned out all right. Surprised it wasn't Mayonnaise to base no. the bird because it's, it's, it's oil and eggs. It yeah, was great. It was perfect brown. It was. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't hate it, Jed. I'm an OG butter guy, but I don't hate it. I uh, there's mayo there's... hater, mayo hater in the really? building, right here. Mayo hater or Miracle yeah. Whip hater? All, all of the above. It, listen, we're gonna. This is gonna get into my weird food quirks, despite being fat. And it's I hate ketchup. I hate condiments. I hate ketchup. What's ketchup? Vinegar mm-hmm. and tomatoes with some sugar. You know what I eat every day? Vinegar, tomato, sugar. I hate hate mayonnaise. What's mayonnaise? Eggs and oil. Eat eggs and oil every day. You don't like so condiments. Wait, what condiments do you like? I'm barbecue a big condiment sauce, guy. But it has to be very specific. Like, and I know here's here's where everybody goes. Barbecue sauce is just ketchup with other stuff. I'm aware, but I'm able to disassociate enough that as long as it like sweet baby rays is not just ketchup with something else in it. That is a barbecue sauce of its own creation. I am a I'm big gold. I'm a big I'm a, gold barbecue sauce guy. Mustard. I'm get a it big out condiment guy. Either Ooh, way, I'm I mean everybody you. that knows me. Ranch counts. Okay. Honey we're going to take the elite this year, guys. We're going to do the uh, out of here. Out the driveway. Period? We're no. going to deep fry the, uh, the, the uh, game fry? bird. The game bird. Yeah. We're going turkey and a game bird. I got a smaller game bird. I've never done it. Jed, I've, I've been told, make sure you put it in frozen, completely frozen when you put it into the deep yeah. fry, yeah. right? That's yeah. what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. So it explodes everywhere? In 2020, so I got a smoker in 2020. Okay, uh, during the pandemic, nothing to do, losing my mind. So like any, like 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 any you know pushing 30 male, I went out and bought a smoker, and I did. It was like one of those like, okay, Wesley, you do a small turkey on the smoker, and we'll still do one in the oven, and because we'll, we don't want you to ruin Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ever since then, my family, it's like. It, 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 like I have to do the turkey on the smoker, or else I I would be I'd be kicked out of the family. So, Wes, are the girl are the girls starting to like put together their menu for you? Like, are they like, Daddy, this is what this is what Olivia, the old. I mean, our youngest is still just uh, six months old today, actually. But um, she'll get some. She'll get some gobble in her. The oldest, the oldest Olivia is very bossy when it comes when it comes to the food now, and you'll love this, Sean. I I texted you. Uh, my oldest Olivia is super into Monsters Inc. right now. Like yeah. we are watching, and I love it. It's like one of my favorite movies. I love Monsters Inc. and uh, we have been watching like, you know, like a few, like, like 15, 20 minutes before bed every night, you know, nothing, yeah. nothing crazy. Then read a book and, and, and go to bed type thing. And she, oh man, she got, we got her like Danimals yogurts the other day yeah. that have, that have Mike Wazowski and Sully on the, on the outside. And she is obsessed like she comes ripping down into the kitchen every morning and busts hey, open the fridge and and once give me my Mike Wazowski she she so she's she's getting the foodie tendencies for sure for Disney sure. World awesome. uh, Monsters Inc Laugh Factory if any of you have been and gone the lovely uh, show that took over for uh, Stitch's Great Escape and the creepy alien one before you go in it's a comedy show where they interact with the crowd and everything. They pick members of the crowd to be certain characters. Any idea who might have been chosen to be Sully for the only <laughs> show that I've ever been there on? So every time they did a joke about Sully or something, Who's you? they have cameras, so they would just cut to me, and there's my big fat face up on the screen in front of the entire arena. Like, hey, guys, 
fantastic. And D's the same way. Every single day, every single day, Declan is, I'm having this, 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 that like, yep, you're my son. Go get it. I love it. I love it. Well, everybody enjoy the Thanksgiving. Let's have a great Thanksgiving. Let's beat the crap out of Baylor on Saturday and this season on a high note. We got to get 30 seconds from big daddy because we won't see him again till after thoughts for dining on Friday night. And I sent the email out yesterday because we had women's basketball. So I had some time to kill Pignetti's Pignetti's Pignetti's. I'm not sure the pronunciation, but Italian in Temple, Texas were a plus uh, bird Creek Italian in Texas. Interesting. Yes. So we're flying into Colleen, staying in temple and then flying out of Waco, but temple's got a couple good brew pubs that that Italian place looks molto bene. Um, they've got a steakhouse there, but it's like $80 for a steak, and your fat buddy ain't, ain't an $80 a steak guy. So, You going to a Temple game yet? We went and saw Temple seven or eight years ago. It was after Lake Seastrunk because that's his high school. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we went and watched it. They weren't very good, so that's why they apologized for only having like 23,000 people there. Nice. They said, yeah. look, we're only four and four. What do you expect? Sorry, but, guys. Uh, me and Dwight yeah, Pitt, and Tony Pitt caught would, them Pitt would kill for years that crowd. ago. That's, You're that's not kidding. Pit game. Yeah, that's, that's four, four games, games worth. <laughs> Wait, that's a good bit. way to that's a good way to get out of here. Just one. Perfect. Oh, fireworks! <laughs> they ruined my weekly ritual. I couldn't listen to a Narduzzi's post game press conference because well, they Jed, won. They do have this. They do it well. I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's all right. They had to get three wins on the season. I mean, you know. Let them, let them. They had, they had to finally beat a second FBS team. All right. I mean, you know, they, they there did. was a guy posting those pictures. He's been to all 130 plus FBS stadiums. He's the guy who was. I, I think I sent you the same yeah, tweet. Like college, this guy goes around the country, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. One of our projects in the off season needs to be to get him on as a guest, if for no other reason than to discuss his Thursday night at Actors Shirt Stadium experience yeah. as one of the 26 people who were there. Because otherwise, it. you know, the only reason they had 26 people instead of 29 is because they're not very good this year. Yeah. And that's how we'll close that. Listen, it's Thanksgiving week, so it should be backyard brawl week. Yeah. We had to, we had to get some had to get some shots in there. Had to get some shots in there. A final thank you to our friends at Fortis for root performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Visit Fortis.us. Com. This has been a lot of fun. We'll be back the rest of the week, obviously, Wednesday with our Pick'em. We've got the Baylor preview and, of course, Phil Steele still to come. So get your fixings on ITG here for Thanksgiving week. For Big Daddy Sean Mariner and the signal caller Jed Drenning, the one thing we ask of you is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. Take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.